How's it going, everybody? Uh, we're back with another podcast. Um, this is the Big Hunt Guys podcast. And today, it's just the two of us, just the dynamic duo. We're back. We're here. We got Chris Neville and myself, Trail Kreitzer. Kick Brady out. I had enough of him. Well, we kicked him out for good reason. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, archery and bows and stuff. And Brady quit shooting archery because he doesn't like the challenge. <laughs> He doesn't like how hard it is to shoot a bow I don't know. and be consistent. Do you think it's – I don't know. That when I hear him talk about his gun and the way he's got the thing set up, it sounds way more complicated than a bow. Oh, yeah. I mean, shooting a gun is pretty easy. You just pull the trigger. Yeah, but it's the all the work and effort that goes into it yeah. prior to that. Oh, yeah. There's, there's its own thing. I mean, when I see him doing reloads and, you know, he's – Doing whatever he does with his brass and yeah, he's a freak. Spinning it and what? It, well, I don't know. Spitting on it. Spit. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting wild. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen us build bows? That's pretty complicated. It is, but for some reason, for me, yeah, I can deal with that, but I can't deal with that rifle stuff as of yet. I need to dive deep into it. No, not me. I have. I, I've come up with the conclusion: you have to focus on one or the other. Really, you can't, you can't do, do both. both. I don't think so. I know guys that do both. They're crazy. How, they, ma- how do you have that much time? I don't know, but they do it well, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I just barely do archery well enough to kind of get by. So, But, yeah, we built out a bow yesterday, right? Yeah. D- did a little video. Um, yeah, we'll have, we'll have a YouTube new playlist series coming up of a complete bow build that we did. You know, all the different steps you need to do to build out a bow. So we'll be dropping it on our YouTube here in the next couple of weeks. So be on the lookout for that. This is kind of the time of year it feels like we're all doing it, right? right? I mean, we're really getting headlong into archery and kind of starting to fine-tune our equipment. And, you know, I'm fletching and cutting arrows and building up a setup. I feel like this time of year is like the tinkering time. Yeah, this I've, is, this I've is the time to tinker. I've put on three different peep sites. <laughs> I've put on a couple of different sites. Yeah. Tried different bars, seen what I like. Yeah, Basically, I, I'm just getting ready for hunting season, what I feel like is going to be my hunting setup. Yeah, and that's me. I like to do that too. I like to go through and tinker with, you know, stabilizers, kind of play with my sight. Uh I'm I'm like you. I recently moved my sight bar in a little bit. Uh just felt like maybe it being that far extended, I just had that much more perception of movement in my pen. So yeah. I thought, "Hey, I'm going to move that thing closer to my riser." Um had to increase my peep a little bit just like you just to get the get it to line up, you know. And now they moved it in closer, but yeah, I'm just tinkering, moving my bars around, um, trying some different platforms. Because so. I feel like it's this time of year, because I have like a cutoff date. Oh, where really? Where I tell myself I'm done. Yeah. I'm taking this. This is my hunting setup. There's no more messing around because it messes up my head too much. It does me too. It yeah. really fucks up your head. Yeah, I feel like I need to get that thing set, dialed, totally, you know, as good as I can possibly get that bow set up into where it's shooting as good as, you know, I think my abilities are. And then, you know, kind of cut it off and just shoot that bow through through the summer. What's your date? Like, what's your, your deadline? I'm saying mid-July. Yeah, like tack? Like, yeah. like if you go to a yeah, tar- total I'm archery. In, if I'm going into tack, I'm, that's my hunting setup. Yeah, because yeah, I don't want to lose arrows. Yeah, don't want to lose arrows. <laughs> I want to be confident going into tack, and then I want to carry that confidence into hunting season. Knowing mm-hmm. in my head, this setup works great for me. No yeah. second guessing anything. You shooting any different bows? Or you still shoot? You shoot the same bow right now? Like well, I have the that thirty four, the TRX thirty four mm-hmm. that I mess around with some every once in a while. But no, for the most part, I'm just shooting the the V three X. I have a bad habit of like picking up a new bow and shooting it, and I think everybody does this a little bit. You, it seems like you shoot a new bow or a different bow really well right out the gate, 
I think it's mostly just, you know, in your head. Right. And, uh, yeah, then I fall in love with the new bow. And I'm like, oh, this TRX 36 is just pounding. I'm going to shoot that, you know. So I'll set it up and I'll tinker with it and I'll go to the range and shoot for two or three weeks. And then, you know, like we we filmed the, the archery shoot that we did here in the warehouse, you yeah. know, and I pick up the, the V3X and come down here. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, I kind of like that, you know. So right, right. And I'm, then the bow we just built was? Mm -hmm. It was the, an Atlas. Atlas. And you're going to kind of, you're going to shoot that a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to play with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's uh, it's kind of in my wheelhouse as far as specs goes of a bow that I, I like. I mean, it's almost 35 inches axle to axle. It's got a really long brace height, so it's like seven and three quarters, which is, I mean, I, I don't remember the last time I saw a bow that was over seven, you know, as far as brace height goes. So it, sh it should be super forgiving. You know, I see guys, Braden Gillantine, I see him just recently. He's using a, an Atlas, and he's shooting some, you know, competitive matches with it. So I thought, man, I'm going to set that up and play with it and just see what I think. So, right. yeah, constantly tinkering, but you're right. Th there is going to come a time where it's like pick one and cut off and start shooting it. Right, because it seems like – you know, I've talked to people, you know, people that are a lot better at shooting than me. Mm. And you ask them, what's what's the number one thing for me to become a best shooter or be the best shooter I possibly can? They just say a lot of it's mental. It's in your head. Thinking thinking that you can make the shot, thinking you can do the mm -hmm. shot, and just keeping that confidence throughout the season. Yeah, and then I think repetition. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I do think there's something to be said for being able to, you know, tune your bow so that you're getting whatever bow you choose, you know, whether it's a, you know, a V3X 33 or 29 or, you know, a TRX 34, whatever the bow is that you, you know, you pick. I think there is something to getting that bow uh, to shoot as well as it possibly can. So it's tuned, you know, you're getting, you know, good flight out of your arrow. I think draw length is huge. I think that's yeah. probably, in my opinion, it's one of the most critical pieces of the entire puzzle of how accurate you can be with the bow is getting that draw length just right so that, that pin just wants to sit for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I think that kind of tinkering, whatever it is, get that bow set up and tuned, and then, yeah, just reps. Lots and lots of shooting. Got to shoot. Every day. You shooting every day? Yeah. I, I shoot, yeah. Probably not every day right now, but yeah, every yeah. other day. Home or you yeah, I usually just shoot right in my driveway, twenty yards right out of my driveway. <laughs> I just shoot right into my driveway. Into the into the driveway or into the garage? Into the garage. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say that could get weird. Yeah, I'm just shooting right there. I got like my mini elk target, and I got some some three hundred faces that I shoot at. But. Mm -hmm. So what's your process? I mean, when you you've got a you got a bow. I mean, I set one up yesterday. You know, you're tinkering right now. Um, you know, what's your process for setting up a bow? I mean, I would, I mean, my, for like a brand new boat, probably the same exact that you did. I mean, it's funny when I watch you set yours up, like we do different things, but like the concept's getting at the same point, right? Mm -hmm. Just building it out and making sure everything's level. I always think it's important. Like you're building off something else before you go to another thing in the tuning process. Mm -hmm. So like making sure the thing that you're doing is like the best information or the best stuff that you have in there. So then the next step in the tuning process, it's still going to be good. Because if you mess up that first step yeah, and you go to the next one, it's going to be messed up. Yeah. It's like setting up your, you know, your, your rest, for example. You, you set your knocking point, your D-loop, you put your rest on. And essentially at that point, you've just got a bare bow, right? And you take, take an arrow, you pull it back, you fire it through paper, and you get a nice clean hole. Well, then you start adding stabilizers you know a front bar if you shoot a sidebar you add a sidebar you add a, re uh, a sight uh you know if you shoot a quiver a quiver i mean that's all going to impact the the tune potentially of that bow mm -hmm. so 
I mean, for me, I don't get too crazy about actually tuning my bow until I've got the other things kind of set where I, f I feel like I'm you know, fairly confident in where they are and, and I kind of like the way the bow holds and then I'll start you know, the tuning process, shooting it through paper and bare shaft. How did, how do you think you, how did you learn how to set up a bow? Um, I mean, I just a lot of trial and error, you know, and then I had, I had a buddy that lived there in town and, and he was kind of doing some of his own tinkering. He had a bow press. He did, you know, work part-time at a local pro shop in Cedar. Um, and I, I kind of got interested in that. I think for me, I, I guess I should say this. So this is my first experience in getting involved in like doing my own work, right? So I, I took some arrows to uh, an archery shop and I just wanted them cut, fletched. You know, I'd bought some shafts, right? Got them back. Um, you know, and archery shops are busy. A lot of them aren't going to cut your arrows for, you know, the straightest part of the arrow. They're not going to cut them from each end. They're not going to try to cut the waddle, wobble out or anything like that, and, which is understandable. I mean, those guys are, you know, turning volume, right? Um and I'm sure a lot of them will do it if you're willing to pay for that kind of service. But um, I got my arrows back, and I just was not pumped with the way they looked. You know, the glue was kind of dripping out the sides. I had some veins coming off. Uh, I had some arrows that you could clearly tell that when those were ran through the saw, you know, it wasn't like a nice, clean, squared-off cut, you know. There's part of the insert. You could see a little bit of a gap in it. And, like, I just wasn't thrilled uh, about that. And so for me, I just thought, you know, I'm just going to do it myself, right? You know, I've, I've got some time. I know that there's a certain satisfaction that everybody takes in their own equipment when you do it yourself. So I guess that was my first step was just starting to build arrows. So bought a fletching jig. Um, I think I got one for Christmas, actually. Asked mm -hmm. one for Christmas. It's been probably, you know, 20 years ago. Right. But got a jig for Christmas. Um, you know, I got an arrow saw. I kind of started to piece together my, my tools as I went. Uh, I probably bought a press maybe... 10 12 years ago um and really a lot of it just came down to reading like reading tuning guides um you know back back in the day archery talk archery talk is right. still huge but i spent just an absolute shit ton of time on archery talk just reading and a lot of it you had to like read through the bullshit yeah, you know read all the yeah because you would get conflicting opinions you know one guy would say this and the guy would say that and you kind of had to go back and forth and like you know filter it out and be like okay i think this is the one that makes the most logical sense to me and then a lot of it just came to like trial and error so i'd you know pop the bow in the press try it see what it did a lot of it just came from tinkering yeah. um i tell people all the time like it, it seems intimidating you know like people bring a bow i have buddies that'll bring a bow and they'll be like can you tune this bow and i think they kind of treat it like uh i don't know like it's uh like this really complicated thing right you know? in reality it's not all that complicated um i mean it's just a string two cables um you know it's really just twisting or or taking twists out of a string or a cable to adjust the cams uh really the things you're concerned about are you know cam timing um you know and just arrow flight and once you get that kind of dialed and figured out what taking a twist out of a cable does to this cam and what it does to your paper, to your tear, you know, your tuning process, it all just kind of comes second nature. And I, I think the best way to do that is just to not fear the process. Um, I mean, I would say even if you have like an inkling that you're going to want to get involved in, in archery or bow hunting for a long time, just dive in headlong, you know, buy the press, right. get it set up. And I mean, I'm a broken record, but there's never been more resources than there is right oh, now. Yeah. I mean, there's YouTube videos. 
there's forums, you know, there's a lot of people are doing their own work. Probably almost everybody now has got a buddy within, you know, earshot that uh, is probably doing their own work. And so there's all kinds of resources. So, yeah. And that that's the best way to learn it yeah. is to actually do it, mess it up a couple times, mm-hmm. figure out what you messed up. Because yeah. then, then that pushes you to do more research and to figure out the right way to do it so then you don't mess it up again. Yeah, the first time you set up your bow, you know, and you, you get it kind of set up, you get your D-loop, everything put together, and, you know, you shoot it through paper, and you get a knock high tear or a knock left tear. Um, you know, at that point, you do the research, you dive back in. Okay, what fixes a tear, you know? And you kind of start to explore that. I mean, there's multiple tools to tune your bow. I mean, you can move your rest up and down or left and right. You can move, um, you know, your cams. You can adjust the cam timing to get that difference. You can also move the cams left or right. That's going to have some impact on your aero flight. They all kind of work in conjunction, you know, and there's not like, I used to think it was like, oh, there's one right answer. Like it, you know, it has yeah. to be this. And I don't, it's, it's not necessarily the case, you know. Yeah. Um, like with the new Matthews bow and their top hat system, you know, you can set your rest at 13 sixteenths. That bow yesterday, I mean, we used a, a Hamsky Epsilon rest comes from factory shipped at 13 sixteenths i can throw that on my bow and uh you know set it up shoot it through paper see what the hole looks like and you know if if i have a slight left tear uh i don't have to move my rest i can move the cams you know i can i can tune that out with a cam if i want to at this point or i could move the rest but there's multiple options the end all goal is proper aero flight yeah right yeah so and it saves you a lot of time doing all this yourself instead of Drive into your shop, take it yeah. in your shop. Sometimes they're not going to be able to get it that day. For a week, two so weeks. you're going to wait mm-hmm. a week or two, get your bow back, then you're shooting it again. Yeah, and, and not just, not nothing against your local pro shops. I'm fully in support of those guys and, and what they do. I would say almost all of them do a phenomenal job. Um, you know, if, if you're time sensitive, you just don't have the time, you don't have, like, the conviction, you know, right. then still go to your pro shop. But I would say, like, if archery is something that, like, is getting into your system – you know, and it's something that you foresee that you're going to want to do. If you're a guy that really likes to shoot his bow, I like to shoot mine every day. You know, I, I like to bow hunt, but to be, you know, totally honest, I just like shooting a bow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to shoot every day. It's like, you know, if if I get off work at 530 or 6, you know, my hour to go up to the range and just shoot 50 arrows, it's like heaven. You know, it's like that time I can kind of decompress. Right. I don't have to think about work or family or anything else. I can just, like, focus on shooting arrows and, like, you know, I've I've said it before, but like this is there's nothing like like anchoring in. Everything feels perfect. The pen's sitting there where you want it to hit. Shot breaks and just like watching the arc of the arrow, you get perfect follow through. And like when that hits dead X, like there's nothing that satisfying. No, it's the best. It's the best <laughs> so. feeling. It's like meditation. We've talked about that before. Like just going to shoot your bow. Yeah, it's like a form of meditation. Nobody talking to you. Nobody, and you're just focusing on Amy. Yeah, it's the best feeling. I mean, I I don't know how to describe it. I mean, I know other people feel it because I've heard other people talk about it. But I I know for a fact that it's, you know, it's real. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Now what do you want to talk about? What uh, What are you working on right now? Um, with my bow. Yeah, shooting. Let's say shooting technique wise. What do you What are you mm. focusing on? What do you What do you go into the range like? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this. Um, I'm still. I'm not really quite there yet as far as like working on individual you know portions of my shot. Um, I'm still kind of in that tinkering phase. If I'm totally honest, I would say 
most of the work that I'm doing right now is like in the evenings. I'm I'm uh, monkeying with my site. You know, I'm still kind of messing with that to see what I like. Uh, I'm working with st- mostly right now. I'm stabilizers, so I'm trying different yeah. weights. Yeah, length. So I've gone from a 10 inch front bar with a 12 inch back bar just to see what that feels like. Uh, I've gone to a 12 and a 10 and a 15 and a 12 and a 15 and a 10 now. And I'm adjusting weight. So I've gone from like three to five ounces on the front to, you know, anywhere from like nine to 10 or 11 on the back. And I'm kind of messing with the angles of the back bar. Um, just the way it holds, the way it levels out. And and I'm really just kind of playing with weights and, and stabilizer setups. And, I mean, I, I think I saw I saw a video the other day where uh, the individual was talking about how uh, a set of stabilizers it, it's not going to make you it's not going to make you a better archer per se. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still, you know, the most important thing is the individual behind the bow, right? right? And and the entire process, you know. I mean, the more consistent that individual is, the better the shot they're going to be, whether they're shooting a, a broomstick with a string on it or you know yeah. a modern compound bow. And I believe that. I do think that if you get your bow set up in a way that for you, uh, that thing holds. So that's draw length, um, stabilizers, the way that thing sits. I do think it does have the potential to make you a better archer because at that point it's a better balanced fitting bow for you. And I think the better that thing holds and the better it aims, the more uh, relaxed and the less anxious you are through your own shot process and your aiming process. So I do think like stabilizers have the ability to make you a better shot. It just may take, you know, mm-hmm. some, some tinkering. It's collective, right? Yeah. yeah. So then you're coming to your answer. So you're going out, you have some tinkering you did. Mm-hmm. You're going out, you're shooting. If you really liked how you shot, you're mm-hmm. like, all right. I like that. I'm going to stick with something I did here. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep that. If you go out, kind of shot like shit, you're like, yeah. all right, we're going to keep tinkering until we <laughs> – yeah, hit and, that. And I don't, uh, I don't change things like rapidly. You know, I might shoot two or three days. Uh, and typically for me, like if I go up to my archery range in the evening at like six, uh, kind of my round. The thing that I like to do is I shoot the lower portion of our range, which is 14 targets, very distance, anything from 20 to 65, uh, and then you know in between yardages. And I'll shoot typically, you know, I'll do like four or five arrows to warm up, and then I'll shoot four arrows per target. And I'll just kind of keep track of my score. And I keep track of it. I do that every day. And I'll probably make a change and I'll shoot that round, you know, two or three days in a row. And just kind of measure that against uh, the other changes that I've made. And pretty quick I can figure out, like, oh, yeah, I'm this this holds better, you know. You know, recently I took um, – I felt like my draw length was maybe a little bit long, right? So I shortened it up. You yeah, know? That, I wrote was, that was me messing with your head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did that. I called up Trill the other day. I'm like, yeah. I really think – I think I was saying my draw length. I was like, I think it's too short. Yeah. I'm just not liking my sight picture. I think it's too short. Yep. And we, we were talking about the way that the bow aims, you know, whether it's kind of a tight herky-jerky aim or whether it's like a long swooping aim. Um, you know, long swooping is typically like your little bit long draw. Uh, you know, tight, herky, jerky, rapid movements typically means that you're like a little short, strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, it's funny how archery so mental. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you kind of put it in my head. Hey, maybe mine's too short. You know, maybe I need to go longer. And then I'm thinking, oh, maybe mine's too long. Maybe I need to go shorter, you know. So I right. I took some uh, took some adjustment and, and kind of, you know, wrapped those cams around so the draw stops were hitting sooner. I took a little draw length out of it. 
went back and shot it. So I would say right now, those are the things I'm working on. I'm working primarily on, on draw length and, and stabilizers and just shooting rounds, you know, every two, three days per change and just kind of fine tune and yeah. find out what, what aims the best for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's kind of, I'm kind of in the same boat. I guess mine is more because I just recently started shooting hinge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably been you've four, been you've been on and off with yeah, it for a while. Yeah, I've been on and off for it. And then I get to hunting <laughs> season and I get too scared. So then I just shoot, you know, the thumb button. And then I go back to hinge. And then this year I decided I'm shooting all hinge. So I'm just always going to shoot the hinge and I'm shooting the the ultra view. You like the hinge? The original. Oh yeah. Yeah. Everyone shoot a hinge. Yeah, I. It's interesting. Like the I, I get asked a lot, like. You know, do you hunt with the hinge? I, I have for, you know, 10 plus years, I think, at this point. Um, and they asked me, well, you know, why? Does it make you a better, you know, better archer? I honestly don't think I'm more accurate. Like, if I boil it down to, like, shooting quarters at 20 mm-hmm. yards, I think I would be more accurate with a thumb button or with a index finger release that does have a trigger if I had the ability to, to mentally manage that. Um, what I am with the hinge is I'm more consistent. So I might not shoot as tight of groups, but if I shoot 10 arrows, I'm not going to have any flyers, you know, typically. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have any that, like, completely miss a block target at 40 yards, you know, like I do with the, uh, you know, a thumb button or an index finger. And that's because – and that's just me. That's mental, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I'm not more accurate with the hinge, I don't think, but I am more consistent by a lot, which yeah. is ultimately what matters to yeah. me when I'm hunting. Right. Yeah. I, I want to be more consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think taking the hunter's mindset and just like anxious. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I don't care who you are, how long you've been shooting. I can go shoot a thumb trigger. Great. I can shoot it at the range. I can shoot mm-hmm. it, do anything, shoot it. Great. But when it comes down to the hunting situation, the nerves are building up and I need to make a shot. You start getting anxious and shit happens that you don't want to happen. Yeah, I th- the, the and that's when I realized, like, all right, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Yeah, I need to shoot. I just need to shoot a hinge fully. I'm sick of this. Yeah, for me, I just quit. I just started shooting a hinge, and I never shot anything else. And I did that for probably almost two years, just hinge, just straight hinge. Never shot an index finger release or a thumb button. I just shot a hinge. I shot it all the time. Every once in a while, I'd have a flyer. You know, like I'd shoot, I'd go to pull back, and I'd be kind of amped up, and I'd you know, sail one out, but like it took a long time to get like really consistent to where I knew exactly how that felt. And I felt totally in control. But after, after that, I mean, it, it really did free me up. Like it freed up my mind. It felt less anxious. I just felt more consistent. Right. I'll be interested for you. I mean, if you're, you're going to hunt with this this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be interested to hear from you. Um, like your first experience of like shoot shooting an animal, an animal with a hand. Shit. i hope i don't fucking hit my face when i pull back (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you will i think you're gonna have the opposite experience i think what's gonna happen is you're gonna come to full draw because you've done it thousands and thousands of times and you're gonna come to full draw anchor in and the pen's gonna sit there where you want to shoot and i promise you're just gonna be going now shoot right now you know we've had those moments Mm -hmm. like you think that animal's not going to stand there. He's going to move, you know, like I have to shoot right this second, yeah. you know? And I think that's the the worst possible thing that you can do. Oh, buddy boy. <laughs> is it ever? Yeah. yeah. That is a rough feeling. Yeah. Rushing it, I think is the 
like the main reasons that people miss. I think they get it in their head that like right now is the moment I have to get that arrow out right now. Well, a lot of the times it feels you have to take in consideration that like you think things are happening so fast. Yeah. And like you always think it's you going, have less time than you do. It's way slower than what it seems. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh my God, it's going so fast. Like I need to do it now. And it's like, no, you have so much more time than you actually think in those situations. Yeah. You you put so much effort into it and you want that moment so badly that I think you just are, everything's running in the red. Like you just want to get rid of that arrow. You want the animal dead. You want to, you know, have that moment with it. And, and I think it's not the best way. I, I think you want that delayed response. I think you want a, a little, I mean, you know, people say subconscious is a dirty word. Maybe when it comes to, to archery right now, it seems like, you know, people are saying you want conscious control of your shot at all times. But I mean, for me, the best shots I've ever made on animals is due to just thousands and thousands of repetitions with a hinge and just coming to full draw. The pen sits on that animal and it's just the process that I've done a thousand times. It's the tension, everything builds. I'm used to not jerking a trigger and, you know, just kind of relax through it. Shot breaks unexpectedly. And no, I'm hundred percent in that, in that boat too, of just your muscle memory Mm -hmm. is going to take over in those type of situations. Cause I know some people are like, Oh, I don't ever want to shoot my bow, shoot it a couple times. And then before hunting season, then I don't have, I don't have that anxious feeling or, I feel like I'm in more control since I don't ever shoot my bow that often. I don't want that at all. No, I want terrible. so many repetitions that it's yeah. just automatic. Automatic. Especially with the hinge. I mean, you're already you're so amped up in that moment. Your nerves are firing. You know, you want it so bad. You value it. You know, what I want is to come to full draw. My pin to sit. I want my mind to just be racing, telling me now, 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 but not fire, mm-hmm. and then process. Process happens, shot breaks, surprise shot, arrow arcs, hits, you know, 12 ring. Yeah. Kills an animal. I've made some shots like that. I mean, I've made some shots where I just was like, yeah, that wouldn't have happened without this, you know, converting over. So Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. And that's kind of like what I've been working through still. I mean, I'm shooting it a lot better, and Mm -hmm. I'm pretty consistent with it now, but still, like, working on, like, my anchor points. Mm-hmm. And then right, a lot of my focus right now is my site picture. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying out new sites. I've been yeah. trying different sites, bigger, smaller, different peep sites, bigger, smaller, just trying to get my site picture. And stabilizers do come into hand with that as well. Because mm-hmm. like I was noticing the other day, I was shooting a 12-inch front bar, and I was getting like a lot of waggle, mm-hmm. like back left and right. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll throw on my 15 and see what that does. Threw on my 15 bar, took that right out. Yeah, just no waggle. Mm-hmm. That left to right waggle on the on the target. You shooting a like a quick disconnect on that? Yeah, yeah. down or yeah, okay. ten, 10 degree down. Both both bars. You had a, a down. Mm-hmm. And I might tinker with that. You told me you, you like shooting yours straight out sometimes. Yeah. So I mean, I shot the Traverse that you know we had a few years ago. I shot the uh, the VXR, and I shot both of those with a ten degree down quick disconnect, and that seemed to be where I liked it. Right. So then, you know, fast forward this last year, we get the V3 uh, X33. I set that bow up. I put a down disconnect on that bow, and I shoot it. And I just, no matter what, I just couldn't get that bow to feel like I wanted it to with a down disconnect. So I went back to just straight mount, just screwing it right into the riser. 
and that seemed to clean up the uh, the hold for me on that bow. Um, so yeah, I'm not not shooting a dis disconnect on that one. What size peep are you shooting? Um, I kind of shoot a in between or what is it a five thirty second? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's you know it's a little larger. It's kind of an in betweener size. Um, I mean I don't know that it matters too much. I don't like a huge peep. I don't like a tunnel ton of light and a ton of you know just stuff I, I i try to eliminate like this is a weird thing so like a lot of people like a sight picture of a single pin site oh, yeah. housing right they That's like the, the yeah right a lot of people do most people do they like that field of view for me i like a five pin site and one of the reasons i like a five pin site beyond other reasons is i like the clutter like i like the you know the blockage of field of view back to my right because at that point I'm not looking at anything else. Really, the only thing I'm concerned about is the pin that I want to hit, um, you know, I want to shoot and, and aim for, and I almost like that blockage. It kind of quiets me down. I feel calmer. Um, you know, if I have a single pin, it tends to amplify the amount of movement. It just kind of messes with me. It makes me more anxious. So yeah. I, I like a five pin. Um, and, 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 and as part of that, I guess I should say, you know, Peep sight for me, I, I like, you know, a little smaller peep. And as long as I can get the, the peep and the housing of my sight to line up, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. But, like, somewhere between, like, an eighth, five, thirty seconds, a little yeah. bit smaller. Because yeah, the, the smaller the peep, they say more accurate. So they say. Can be. Can be. Can mm -hmm. be. A lot of your target archers shoot really small peeps. Yeah. So I threw in, like, a one-eighth the other day, and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, you also have to be able to collect enough light to yeah. be able to see through the thing. And so as I get What older, I was seeing was way more movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, which makes sense because you have a, yeah. you have a clear focus on your pin, like yeah. much much better than, and that movement gives me anxiety. Like, I'd <laughs> yeah. rather just I like when my pin does not move, which you're supposed to. There should be some movement. Trust the float. Yeah. But like anytime it's like jerky movement, yeah. I shoot better with it just float floating around rather than herky jerky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. I mean, I. I don't think anybody's pen just sits. No. You know, impossible. It, yeah, it doesn't just sit there ever. Uh it might for like a second or two, but it's usually like you're not far enough through your shot process that, that you know the shot's breaking. And if it is sitting there and you're punching the trigger, then you're going to develop bad habits in the long run, you're going to get mm -hmm. target panic. Um but yeah, slow float, you know. Um what size peep or pen are you shooting? Like you I shoot I think it's 19. 19s. Yeah, mm -hmm. 19s. You shot 10s ever? Yeah, I used to shoot tens. Yeah. I used to like tens. Yeah, a lot of people do. I I dislike them for the same reason. You know, I I it's more movement, right? So it's a smaller pen, and it just m seems to move more. You right. know, whereas a larger pen, like a nineteen pen at seventy yards, is going to take up a pretty good chunk of your aiming point, right. right? Yeah. Which some people might perceive as bad, but for me, I actually like that because it's like, oh, if I cover up this whole thing that I'm going to try to hit with my pen, I just feel relaxed. Like, I don't mm. see it moving around, you know? So, yeah, different different strokes for different I folks. Know. It's crazy. <laughs> I almost think I'm more comfortable when it's, like, smaller and, like, a little bit blurry. Like, I can't. Do like, I almost think I'm – I think I'm a more of, like, an instinct. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that kind of a feeling mm -hmm. instead of, like – Do you shoot – so let me ask you, when you're aiming, do you focus on your pin? Do you focus on your point of impact? Point of impact. Mm -hmm. Do your pin kind of blur out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I do it too. I prefer, and sometimes it's too bright and it freaks me out. <laughs> pin. 
<laughs> and it's like I see it just moving all over. Yeah. I'm like, don't like that. It's really funny. Sometimes I'll go up to the range and I'll shoot. I'm I'm left eye dominant. Like my right eye is my worst eye of my two eyes, but I shoot right-handed. Uh, so I do have to kind of squint my left eye and kind of try to focus through my right. And it's funny is like I'll go up and I'll shoot around and I'll think, oh, I didn't shoot that great today, you know. Next day I'll go up and I'll start shooting and maybe I'm not shooting that great that day either. And and a lot of the times I'll start thinking about what I'm doing. And a lot of the time what I've, I've done is kind of shifted my focus back to the pin versus just solely focusing on my point of impact. It's funny how many times I'll hit center when I'm just staring at the center. And your pin's like... And oh, I don't even know if right. my pin... You know, I'm aware of my pin and I think it's close, you know, but I'm not thinking or focusing on my pin. I'm always amazed by that. And I notice that, like, if I go back to that... I just go back to focusing on my point of impact. Don't worry so much about my pen, man. My groups tighten right up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I always, I'm always struggling with that though. That's like something I'm always working on. <laughs> There's always something to be done. Yeah, working away. Always, always working away at it. Um, I mean, if you we set up a bow yesterday, like we we talked a little bit about about process. Um, I mean, is there anything in that process that you saw, like me setting my bow up, that you think is, you know, different than how you do it? The D-loop. D-loop. That was a good trick. Yeah. Pulling out the – I mean, I guess it's not like setting it up, but it's a trick that you have. Mm -hmm. So you pull the – he has his D-loop cord, and he pulls out the middle of the D-loop cord, so then the cord is more flexible, mm -hmm. doing less torque on the string. Yeah, and I like that number 23 cord. It's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit more flexible anyway than like a 24 cord, and – yeah, you pull that core out of the D loop and it makes it a lot more flexible. And I've never had any issues with like wear and tear. I've never had D loops like wear out or break or anything like that. And I do think it's like the little things in archery that I think add up, right? So, I mean, is that like a huge thing that's going to add major accuracy to me? I don't think so. But I think it's a little thing that may reduce the torque in the string because there's more flexibility in that D loop. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd say your process, I like I like to do the, I'd level my bow completely first. So you and put then, your bow on a on a vice? Yeah, I do vice, level it all, and then I start so putting you on my level lines. your arrow? Yeah, level my arrow. Level, on your rest. Do you yeah. bolt your rest on, on yeah. your bow? Yeah. So I do the I, I put on like everything right away. My sight, my rest, then I level it, level mm -hmm. it all. And then that's when I tie in my, my knocking. Your knock point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do it a little different. Like I, sh I showed yesterday, and you guys will see in the video. I mean, I... I kind of adopted this idea. I, th I think I heard it from, I might have heard it from Levi Morgan. I don't, I, I think maybe I think what he does and, and I've since adopted is I just measure that halfway distance between cams. So find a point on the cam. It's exactly the same, assuming that your cams are in time. Right. And then just half distance between those two. And I set my knocking point right there, dead center of the string. And then in doing that, I'll tie in my knocking point, you know, I'll even tie in a D loop. You know, after that, and then I'll put my bow in the vice, bolt on the rest, and uh, set my rest um, to where that arrow is 90 degrees from the knocking point, mm -hmm. you know. And I would say, you know, 10 out of 10 times on a Matthews bow, uh, it might be a little bit different with a different bow, but right. like on a Matthews bow that mostly, you know, I'm working on, you do it that way, that arrow at a 90 degree off the string with the knocking point dead center of the string, that arrow will run smack center through the burger hole. And in doing that, you know, you set your rest at 13 sixteenths and then maybe use your top hats to tune left or right. I would say I've had almost 
you know, I can usually right. tune a bow within three arrows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems, I mean, we ha- we might have, like, a little bit different, like, way we do it, but, like, the end result is the same. Is usually the same. Like, we're getting mm-hmm. to the same point. We're just mm-hmm. taking different paths to yeah. get in there. Yep. But, it's, yeah, usually, I mean, it's it's probably the same for everyone has a little bit different ways of doing yeah. all their stuff. Yeah, and I don't think any of it's wrong or right. Do you know what I mean? I think if it works, the, it's like you said, the end goal is, is ultimately to get an arrow that flies true out of the bow. Right. And whether you put it in a bow vise and bolt everything on it and then set your knocking point, you know, after and then, you know, level your, your bow or your arrow to the, to the string and it shoots fine. I mean, great. I mean, you, can, you can tune anything out, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you really can. I mean, you know what I mean? Like if you're like super particular on your knocking point, mm-hmm. I mean, you can tune that out. If it's, yeah. if, I mean, if it's not awful, but if it's a little off, like you can, you can tune that out by moving your rest. You can move your rests. You right. can add a, add or take a twist out of a you know out of a cable. Yeah, and then all that matters is that bow or the arrow leaving your string is straight, mm-hmm. right through the paper bullet hole. What uh, what's your tuning process? So let's say we've got our bow set up and you're ready to. You've got your accessories on it. And you're ready to start tuning that thing. What do you do? Like I already have like D loop everything. Everything's on, on it. I you just shoot through paper. Shoot through paper. Yeah. So I have a bare shaft and then a fletch. So you shoot both? I'll shoot the bear shaft first and okay. see how that one is. And if that's a bullet hole, then I know I'm sitting pretty. <laughs> how far? Oh, close, five feet. Five feet? Yeah. Six I'm feet, close, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Do you close. back up and shoot multiple distances through d- paper? I, I mm, No. I've tried it. I mean, a lot of that's – a lot of that I feel is like me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, oh, I yeah, bad hold on it. And mm-hmm. a lot of that I feel like – and. Especially shooting a bear shaft, there's no fleshings on it, guiding a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm not that great of an archer yet to be like, oh, I need a bullet hole at 20 yards. Well, by that, it should be because yeah. the veins should correct yeah. it if you're shooting a vein right. arrow, right? Yeah. 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 But, I mean, if I'm five feet and I'm paper paper tuning and I have bullet holes, mm-hmm. then I'm, all right, this thing's ready to shoot. It's tuned. Yeah. I don't. And that's all I do. Yeah. Do you shoot bear shafts at all? Like twenty yards, bear, yeah, bear, bear yeah. shaft, just to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's good to do that shooting that far into paper, more for my form and less for my tuning. Mm-hmm. Stuff that maybe I not, might need to work on. Also tells you about yeah. your tune, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't get too crazy into bear shaft tuning. I'll usually I'll paper tune like you, so like six feet, and I'll shoot a a fletch shaft, mm-hmm. you know, through. And I'll usually go through and shoot, like, all my arrows. Like, I'll shoot a dozen arrows if I got them fletched. I'll shoot them through paper. And uh, I usually do that just to check each arrow because maybe you need to knock tune your arrow a little bit, you know. But I'm like you. After I get a bullet hole through paper, you know, I might take a bear shaft and step back to 20 yards and shoot it just to see if my impact point impacts with my fletched veins. Uh, and if that's the case, I feel pretty dang good about it. But really, like, I, I mostly rely on paper tuning and broadheads. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if I get a good, clean paper tune and I feel really good about that, I'll probably go out and shoot the bow, just see how it shoots, shoot groups at the range. And then, you know, within a week, two weeks, after I kind of really got it dialed to where I want it, I'm going to start throwing, you know, targets up at 60, 80 yards, and I'm going to start shooting fixed blade broadheads at them because that's ultimately what's going to tell you what your tune is. So that's what I do. I really rely on on paper tune and broadhead. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the broadheads fly straight. That's it, man. That's the old. That's that's the whole goal, right? That's all that matters. (laughs) Yeah. Suckers fly straight. Yeah. If you and then a lot of times that's too just. You know, once once you get the paper tune, you're going out to shoot, and you might have a couple flyers 
Just give it a little twist. Yeah, a little knock tune. Just a little, just a little twist. Well, you'd be surprised how much that can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just got to find that consistent spine of the arrow that that wants the way it likes to be shot. You know, and it shoots along with the rest of your your arrows. Um, that's why I fletch all my arrows with the same color veins typically. So I'll shoot, you know, I'll fletch all three of my, you know, my veins white. That way, if I have to rotate it to a different orientation, I'm not missing out on anything, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. then my cock vein, I'll usually put, you know, little note on it or i'll write number one or number two or whatever on to kind of delineate what arrow is my cock or what vein is my cock vein yeah good stuff good stuff i'm ready to go uh i'm ready to go bow hunting i'm ready too <laughs> i gotta i gotta figure out what peep size i'm gonna do and what yeah. site i'm gonna shoot i actually want to shoot a three pin this year do you why so if anyone finds a the three pin excel the XL. yeah the accustat head yeah, I think it's the AccuStat too. So it's got the it's got the little white and then it's got the bigger white on. It's got like two mm-hmm. white rings. Yep. Yeah, with the three pin. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Why three? You've always been single or double. I like three because it's not too much clutter, mm-hmm. and I feel like in an elk situation, that's mm-hmm. gonna cover me. Yeah. Twenty to forty. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still like five, but <laughs> if I just, need to crank on it, then me. crank on it. Yeah, but you don't always have time. You know, sometimes a bull will come in and he'll go all different ranges before you actually get a shot. I just I try to dumb that down as much as I possibly can because I'm such a mental mess at that at that moment. See that I feel like that makes me think more. Really? I like I have to like, all right, I need to make sure it's this pin <laughs> and like this this and like whereas mm-hmm. like I mentioned before, I'm like I don't. I'm a fairly decent, like, instinct shooter. Mm-hmm. So, like, just knowing, like, oh, just take this pin and hold it a little high. You'll yeah, be the fine. thing I worry about that is that, like, if I get into a situation where I'm shooting through, like, a window through some trees or something, you know, and if I, I feel like if I'm guessing, I'm guessing. Like, whereas if I've got a pin, right. I'm like, man, I can put that pin right there. Or if he's 45 yards, I can gap those two pins through that clearing in the, in the timber, and I can still execute a shot. But... I will say I think a lot of that is just what you're used to. Like, I'm used to shooting five pins. I've shot five pins for, you know, 20 years plus, right? I think if you're used to shooting five pins, like, I don't have to think about, like, what pin should I use because I already – I mean, I already know. I've done it so many times. I'm like, I know that that, you know, that pin's my 50-yard pin. I mean, I really did like the double pin. I still do like that one. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, to, also to that, like a lot of times, I would just dial. Yeah, if like you got I'll, time, I'll right? dial it right to the exact yardage most of the time. I prefer that. Yeah, I can if see I, that. If I can range, dial. Like it's 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 fairly quick, but for the most time, like when I'm milking, I'll set it at twenty-five, and then it'll be thirty-five. Yeah, Usually, probably. Yeah, thereabouts forty, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. So then I kind of cover it with just those two pins most of my shots. What do you think the well, I just want to touch on one more thing, and then we can wrap. But what uh, what do you think the number, like the reasons, what are the biggest reasons that people miss? Or, like, why are the reasons that you've missed in the past? Oh, wanting to shoot now. You think? Oh, like yeah. punching? Rush, rushing rushing shots, it? For sure. Yeah. 100% rushing shots. I think that's a huge one. The other one I think people miss is, like, range. Yeah, missed yardages M- probably. Missed yardages. I think that's a huge one. And that can be really hard to deal with. Like in the moment, you know, you can just get so wound up and, you know, the whole 
emotion of it and, you know, not realize that, hey, that bull was walking towards you, you know, the whole time. So, like, when you ranged that tree, it was 45 yards, but now that bull's walked past it and he's eight yards closer, you know. Yeah. You don't take that into account. Um, uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I missed a bull a couple of years ago in Arizona. Same thing. Just range, you know, shot over him. Angles. I think angles is another big one. Yep. Yeah, that compensation. My range finder, I had ranged it and – you know, there's like a half a second delay after you range an animal before it gives you the adjusted yardage in my range finder. I just took the first range and drew back, executed. It was probably one of the best shots I've ever made in my life and just sent that arrow over his back. And I was like, what the hell just happened? You know, just, <laughs> just whiffed. Just whiffed it, yeah, but just range. Yeah, I think that's it, though. Range, rushing the shot. That's why I'm shooting a hinge. There you go. I'm not even going to let it even get close to happening. I'm excited. Like, I'm excited for the summer to, you know, get a bow really set up and dialed. I mean, I think we're going to go to some, some tack events, maybe maybe one, maybe two. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, that was fun last year. Yeah. I think that's good practice. And oh, It's just yeah. fun to be out with your buddy shooting some arrows. Yeah, that, that's a real good practice for hunting season. Hopefully yeah. you're at least hitting targets because it could make you not very confident going <laughs> into it. Or inversely, it could yeah, make you super confident, confident, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think – you know those shoots. I, t- I talked to a lot of people, and a lot of a lot of buddies are like, "Man, I'd rather be out scouting on a Saturday." And to to that effect, I can say, "Yeah, I understand." You know what it's like to be out wanting to scout and find an animal. I also think that like those are good practice. Like if you can work through those courses on a weekend, and you know, not lose any arrows, or maybe lose one arrow and come out of that with just like tons of confidence. I think there's a lot of value in that. Oh yeah. I know. Last year at Big Sky, I shot around by myself the second day. Cody and I, the camera guy. And I remember there was this elk on the elk course, and it was like an 84-yarder. And, um, you know, anchored in, executed a shot, and, I mean, I 12'd it. Just dead X'd it, you know. Let's go hunting. <laughs> yeah, and the rest of the course, I mean, I shot pretty good. But, like, I, I think about that shot all the time. I think that, that shot, that one shot where everything went perfect, like, gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be the most realistic mm-hmm. scenarios or situations you're going to have mm-hmm. to the actual time that you actually have to shoot an animal. Yep. Yeah, and you can't get that every day at home, you know. So it's kind of kind of fun to get out and practice those in the summer. Plus, you're like shooting with buddies. Yeah. You got people watching you. There's a little bit more nerves. So you kind of get some of that feeling going. Yeah, it's a good good hang. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it'll be fun. And then when uh, you and I are going elk hunting, so and you're you're first up. New Mexico. Here we go. Oh man, I hope the fires die down, huh? Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. It'll be fun. I'll be excited to stand behind you and watch, see how you do with the hinge for the first time on, an, on a big bull elk. Right through the heart. <laughs> <laughs> now I got him. Dead X. Well, All right on. I would say if you guys got questions, um, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know, you tune in on YouTube, um, you got questions about tuning or, you know, arrows. We even talk about arrows, really. Maybe we'll jump into that some that other might time. Be a whole one. A whole other podcast. Yeah. But, yeah, if you got questions, you know, drop them in the comments below. Um, and I've been tinkering, like I said, for a lot of years. I'd be happy to answer any questions that I can, offer you my opinion. Um, appreciate you listening. Yeah.